We're back on the official pod. We are presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen, Leger Duzable. Leger, what did you think about Zach Wilson's performance against the Philadelphia Eagles? Yes, the Jets did lose, but the progress of the rookie quarterback was the big story for me. Yeah, EA, and that's what this season is all about, the progress of Zach Wilson. And to me, he definitely took a step in the right direction as far as just being decisive, knowing where to go with the football, getting the ball out of his hands and throwing an accurate pass. I felt like last week versus the Houston Texans, he didn't feel comfortable in the pocket. You could tell he kind of gimped a little bit with his knee. But today he seemed comfortable. His footwork was cleaned up a lot better than it was the week before. And, again, he was just efficient with the football. He knew where to go with the football. Michael LaFour did a really good job of getting him some easy reads early, and he just got more comfortable as the game went on. In the first half, he was on point. Can you talk about the easy reads, what you were seeing as far as him being decisive in the pocket and just letting the ball come out? Yeah, so perfect example, the week before, a couple RPOs, and that's run-pass option that he had to Elijah Moore. The ball kind of sailed on him while he was in the slot. Well, this week, they ran one towards the goal line, and he was right on the money, you know, throwing the ball to Elijah Moore. That play probably, if it was in the open field and they were in that, you know, single high safety, probably goes for 40 or 50 yards in the open field. But you just saw the accuracy with that and him, him throwing the ball to, you know, Elijah Moore right there on the RPO. And then there was other times he threw some screen passes to him to just make the game easy for Zach Wilson. So I think he did a really good job after Zach struggled last week, making sure that he had, like, some good, easy first reads that were open because he knew that the Philadelphia Eagles like to play a lot of man coverage. So he knew those reads would be open. Zach just had to be accurate with the football, and he was very accurate in that first half. It's going to be huge for the Jets moving forward what happens with these two rookies in Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore. We had not seen the chemistry to date, but against Philadelphia, I like two things. Yes, the six catches is 77 yards and a touchdown. Great. But also he was targeted 12 12 times. times. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And and we were actually talking about this off-camera EA. Like, he probably could have went over 100 yards because they're still working on that chemistry. There was a few times that Zach actually missed him on one of the crossing routes coming across the middle. Like, if he hits him in stride, like Elijah with his speed and quickness probably gets another 20, 25 yards after the catch because he was wide open, but he threw the ball just a little bit too in front of him. The touchdown in the back of the end zone. So you're talking about a guy having a two-touchdown game. He just probably threw it just a little bit too far out in front of him. Elijah Moore will tell you that he probably still should have came down with the catch because that's the type of player he believes he is. But just like those two plays right there, like if they can get that chemistry down where it's like almost automatic, kind of like where they had it in training camp, then, like, you can see these two really take off. And this, they're going to be, you know, pivotal cornerstones on this team for, for the next, like, five to ten years. And mo- hopefully, you know, with Zach as the quarterback, maybe ten to fifteen years. You know? Do you think Wilson is going to continue to develop different pitches? Because everybody knows the fastball is there. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about that play in the end zone. What I liked is the way he followed up on fourth down oh, yeah. throwing nice to touch. Griffin but he's more touch right nice exactly touch. yeah so like that and that was the concern right last week versus the Houston Texans it, it was like he was bringing out the 95 <laughs> an hour 99 an hour fastball he was Charlie single, Sheen a major league yeah man. <laughs> like even throwing like you have to understand Zach as a quarterback depending on who you're throwing the ball to and even sometimes when you're throwing it to the receiver there's certain times where you have to put a little touch on your pass right last week versus the Texans like everything was a fastball even when he was throwing to Austin Walters out of the back 
Byfield or throwing to Tevin Coleman. Like, they were high fastballs, but this week he got that kind of under control. Like, he still had, like, one or two that were a little smoky. Yep. Um, the, the slant route to Jamison Crowder came out a little bit mm-hmm. too hot, and then if he just puts a touch on that, Crowder's probably running for 10 or 15 yards after that because the Eagles do play a lot of man coverage. So you hit him in stride right there with a touch pass. Crowder is still running, and he did it later on in the game, and Crowder broke a nice little run. Uh, I believe it was on the screenplay. So um, Zach will learn that the more reps he gets, like certain situations, I got to take a little bit off the ball. I just got to put it, you know, where the receiver can catch it. He did a good job on that fourth down, as you stated to Ryan Griffin on that quick out route. Just put it out there so Ryan Griffin can just jump up and catch the ball, score the touchdown. So no Corey Davis moving forward. The injury bug bites Mm -hmm. the Jets again. Corey Davis played nine games. It's interesting, the dynamic, because early on in Zach Wilson's career, the only guy I was looking to was 84. Now I'll finish the year throwing to the receivers minus uh, Corey Davis. But it's Elijah Moore. And then what are you going to see from the rest of this group, you think, as we move ahead? Well, guy we routinely see is Keelan Cohen. We'll see where he is with the protocol, if he'll be able to come back, if his lung capacity is where it needs to be to play a full game on Sunday. So that's a guy that Zach Wilson has trusted at big times. We saw it last week versus the Houston Texans, fourth and sixth. You know, he doesn't he doesn't go to Elijah Moore. He goes to Keelan, Keelan Cole on a dig route and gets a completion. Even though the ball was a little bit behind him, you know, Keelan Cole has sure hands. He was able to come down with that ball. So I think we'll see a lot more Keelan Cole if he's healthy and if not, the guy that we've always wondered about the whole season, right? Denzel Mims, will he finally, you know, be integrated into this offense and be a mainstay, like a number two receiver mm-hmm. to Elijah Moore? This is and a big opportunity, this is right? A huge, yeah. right? Because this is what had Jet fans so excited last year. It was like the last five games of the season last year. He was able to put together some few a few good games with Joe Flacco. So now with Corey Davis ultimately going out with the core, you know, muscle surgery. This is a big opportunity for him. Like, I thought he was going to get a little bit more playing time last week, but then Corey Davis was able to play um, with the groin, which surprises me because usually groins, man, they're fickle. Like, they literally bother you the whole year. So I thought he would probably miss one more week. But it shows this toughness that Corey Davis has. He wanted to come back and play for his team. But now I think we'll actually get to see Denzel, you know, Mims, you know, really integrated into this office. And then another guy, Braxton Barrios, is probably going to get a little bit more work too. And he's been a pleasant surprise this year, not only on special teams, but in the slot for the offense. Yeah, it's interesting, that dynamic at the slot receiver, because you do have Jamison Crowder. But mm. every time Barrios gets the ball, something productive happens. That's, and we and saw that with the kick return, right, last yeah, week. He set the tone. Great blocking, by the way. I think you yeah. probably would have had 45, 50 yards yeah. on that return. He didn't even get touched. Yeah. I mean, even the kicker didn't even touch him. Today. It's like, like the Red Sea. Yeah, like I literally thought it was going all the way to the house. Ryan Griffin did a good job blocking down the field. Um, You just wish you could get maybe just one more shove on that, you know, that technically the guy that was playing the safety on kickoff team and Braxton Barrios takes it all the way to the house. But the offense, you know, capitalized on that and were able to go down and score on the opening drive, which has been a real struggle, if I'm not mistaken. Was that, that was the first, the first time. First time right? I was like, that was the first time they scored. And the, the crazy thing is they scored on all first three possessions they had the ball. So you love what you saw from the offense in that first half. It just sucks that you wish they would have been able to get more bites at the apple in the third quarter because I feel like they kind of lost some of that rhythm. But, yeah, Braxton Barrios has been a pleasant surprise. I would not be surprised if the Jets offered him a nice little deal to come back because he has he's built out a nice little niche on this offense, not just on special teams. Like, they come in, bring him in, you know, some end around, some speed sweeps. They get him the ball in space. Perfect example. Last week versus the Houston Texans, Zach Wilson got him the ball quick, and because of his explosiveness, he's able to – 
take that little five-yard hitch route 46 yards later, you know, for a big explosive play on offense. So this guy has found a nice little niche on this offense. He's one of the most productive returners in the NFL. I think yeah. number one as far as kick, kick return returner. Average, and, yeah. and then punt returner. Yeah. People talk about how many punts he need to qualify as a leader. I think he's like third in the NFL in punt returns. It's so – why well, not a, getting a lot of punts because the defense has struggled lately? Well, you know yeah, <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a second. Listen, double-edged sword special teams-wise because yeah. kicking, obviously, big problem. But returns have been good and coverage has been really sound. Yeah, 100%. So, like, the special teams has played really well throughout this year as far as, like, the I can't remember how many – punt returners, like the opposing punt returners have been able to actually return punts. Like our two gunners, whether it's, you know, Justin Hardy or, or you know, Jeff Smith, they've done an amazing job of getting it's down Smith's the field. a guy who might get some more offensive yeah, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's a smart guy. Good he knows all the position, good yep. speed. Um, like they haven't gotten enough credit for what they've done on special teams, yep. right? Because it gets swept up under the rug. Nobody really cares about special teams until a special team plays happen. But They've, they've really, like, neutralized any, like, return game from any other team, like whether it's kickoff, their kickoff coverage, or the, the punt coverage. Like, they've done a really good job getting down, being able to, to make punt returners fair catch the ball, and then really neutralizing any kick return game. So, like, they've done a really good job on special teams this year. Let's give some props to Tevin Coleman. The offensive line is doing really well. Uh, we'll get to the line here in just a second because I had a couple thoughts. But – Tevin Coleman has been in the league for a few years, but wow, does he have fresh legs, and he does not wait a second. He puts his head down, he finds a hole, and he is going. Yeah, and that's the positivity of a guy that's been in this system his whole career, right? Going back to Atlanta with Shanahan, then he goes to San Francisco with Shanahan, and now he comes to the Jets with LaFleur. So he's been in the system his whole career, and he knows – when like he gets the ball, how to hit it, you know, downhill, one cut, get downhill. He knows times when to be patient. So like, he played really well. He's played really well the last two weeks, right? Uh, last week, it just like again, it sucked at the offense, especially in the third quarter. Um, really, only had one possession, seventy seconds, because in that first half, man, I, I think this, he was averaging over like six yards a carry, man. Um, and the Jets' offense looked like it was really moving the ball, passing and running the football at will. But then they kind of got stalled out in that third quarter when they only had one possession. But Tevin Coleman is a guy, and I said this when Michael Carter went down, like, like my, replacing them would be hard, right, because Michael Carter does it all. But I felt like we had a good complimentary uh, backs in the backfield with Tevin Coleman, his running ability, Ty Johnson, his catching ability out of the backfield. And now you've gotten good contributions from Austin Walters the last two two weeks. So, like, of course, yeah, we want Michael Carter to come back. Oh, we want to yeah. play him because he's a special player. But I think that Tevin Coleman's really taken advantage of his opportunities the last few weeks. There are a lot of good backs in the National Football League. I like this backfield, but when you think about the depth here, man, there are just a lot of quality runners, I think. And I was watching the game Sunday night, Broncos, Chiefs. Yeah. I'm watching Javante Williams, and I'm saying to myself, Got him on my fantasy. How in the <laughs> hell did North Carolina ever even lose a game? Well, they, they, never, they never got stopped on offense. Their defense just couldn't stop anybody. Uh, Michael Carter and Javante <laughs> Williams in the same backfield? I mean. I don't know if you remember that Miami game when they both just yeah, went like Yeah, they crazy. Went, I think they set it on CAA yeah, record. No doubt. Crazy. They went over 600 they went crazy combined. That game. Like, yeah, just to think about it, like both of these dudes. But nobody came can get out. these guys down. Both of these dudes came out in the same draft class. We're on the same team. Like, 
as you were saying, like I, it'd be, it would have been nine oh seven or screen game every play for me. Like, oh yeah, God. we got Sam Howell, but yeah. we don't care about that. We got these two studs in the backfield. Try to stop him if you can, because people in the NFL haven't been able to stop him. So, like Javante Williams, I believe got his first start this past week, um, and it and paid well the week before, right? And it paid dividends. Um, he like I think he had like over 150 all-purpose yards or something like that. Went over 100 yards uh, rushing. Might even went over 70 yards. I'm trying to remember my fantasy. I think he went over 70 yards and had a receiving touchdown. Look at you with so, the fantasy numbers. <laughs> so, yeah, Javante Williams, we knew it was only a matter of time. Like, Melvin Ingram has actually had a really good season, too. Yeah. So, it's been hard to kind of, like, really replace him. So, they've been getting even share of carries. But I think after Javante's performance this past week and then Denver's are still technically in it. So, you know, you don't want to be like, we're going to just play our young guys. But I think after Javante Williams' performance this past week, I think he'll get more – bulk share of the carries down the stretch for Denver. Offensive line, solid for the Jets, especially over these last couple games. LDT, we'll find out more about his injury situation. But how has he been in terms of just coming back? Dude hasn't played since, what, the Super Bowl two years years, ago. Yeah, Yeah. he takes off for the pandemic, and God bless him. He goes to help people in need. What what a person. But now he comes in midseason season past the midway point, and how has he done before injury? I think he's just given, you know, the Jets offensive line a jolt. Now, he struggled that first week, not even going to lie to you, uh, especially in the, in the pass rush. But in the run game, I feel like he's, he's he's been a godsend, man. He's done a really good job. They've been able to be multiple with him as far as pulling. They don't just pull Elijah Vera Tucker. They'll pull LDT as well. And the run game has, like I said, it's paid dividends. You saw it over 150 yards versus the Texans. In the first half, you know, Tevin Coleman was running with purpose, had like averaging over six yards of carry. I think if they had stuck with the run, if they had at least two more series in the third quarter, the Jets probably would have ran for over 100 yards again versus the Philadelphia Eagles. But, yeah, that's, you just hate to see that, right? That This guy is willing to bet on himself, decided to get traded from the Chiefs, a team that's probably going to the playoffs, most likely going to maybe win their division, to the Jets, a team that's you know trying to rebuild and he wants to be part of that process. Oh, yeah. And then – he gets the opportunity to finally start, and then he gets hurt. So like, you just feel for the kid. Hopefully it's nothing too serious and he can come back and, and finish off the season, even if it's not this week. Maybe down the stretch, the last three or four games, he can come back and play again. So as we always have to do, here's a disclaimer. We tape on Tuesday. Yeah, no question. Robert Sala <laughs> was asked about Mackay Becton on Monday. He returned to field work last week. Mm. The question was posed – by Rich Amini, I think, of ESPN, a long-time Jets beat writer. I think he's been covering the Jets for more than 30 years. <laughs> Regardless, he asked, are we going to see Becton this season? What's your thoughts? There's only five games remaining, and he yeah. hasn't been part of the lineup since week one, of course. And he's, not, and he's not practicing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my thing is if he can get a solid week and a half, maybe two weeks of practice, like if he could practice this week, um, and then practice all next week, I think he should be able to suit up the last four games of the season. You I mean, do? Yeah, my thing is, like, Would it you be wanna, beneficial? Or I it? think it's beneficial okay. to get him the reps because he's only a second-year player, and technically he's a rookie, right? He missed all of this year, and he missed some games last year. So, like, uh, I'd be interested to see if – I don't think he's played 16 games yet. So, no. it's like – you, you have to get the reps in, right? It's all about developing and, and the progress of this young team, right? Well, he's part of that nucleus of this young team. So, yeah, the Jets aren't in the playoffs, and you're like, yeah, why put him out there? Like, what you mean why put him out there? You wanted to get him some reps, right? So, um, 
if he can play three or four games, you go out there and you let him play those three or four games. Just for one, I think for him mentally, it'll help build up some of that confidence, right? Because he heard about the injuries all offseason and, you know, he missed a few games. Even though he was only not dressed, I think, for one or two games, there were a couple of games that he played and they came, came out, out of. Yep. So just to build up the young guy's, you know, confidence, right? He goes out there. You this know, is good perspective because yeah. you're bringing it from a player's Exactly. Angle. So if I'm a player, like, I want to go out there and know that I can do it. Like, you know, um, I get hurt in the first half on some fluke. It wasn't even his fault. Like, one of the defensive linemen, like, fell on his leg. Like, there's nothing you can do while you're holding a block and a guy falls on your leg. It's, that has nothing to do with his weight. That has nothing to do with him not doing the medical parts in the offseason or, like, away from the game. Like, that's just a fluke accident. That's what football is. It's 100% injury rate. More or less, you're going to get injured. So, I think just for the kid's confidence, like, if he practices for two weeks, you got to put him out there and let him go, man, because, like, he – he was a guy that he drafted as a left tackle for like the next eight to ten years. And, you know, after being hurt his first year and playing more games than he missed, but playing in some games and coming out. And then this year only playing one half, like, you know, for the mental psyche, like as a player, you want to go out there and be like, yes, I can do this. I told you I was coming back. I don't care if it's just from one game. I wanted to prove that I can come back and play. All right, let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. Let's talk about C.J. Mosley. Mm. Obviously... He's frustrated. Understatement. Understatement, and rightfully so. This yeah. guy came from a program in Baltimore where they're accustomed to winning. In Alabama before that. In Alabama, <laughs> where they're accustomed to winning. Big. What's up, Georgia? But <laughs> after the game, he said, teams aren't respecting us right now. Um, put both hats on. From an analyst perspective, Yeah. What do you think? And then from a guy who's been on that side of the ball inside a locker room. Well, as an analyst, first and foremost, I mean, when I hear that, I'm like, well, what are you guys going to do about it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, only you guys, and I, more or less, I kind of feel the same way either either way, but I'll go into the player's perspective. Um, like, what are, what are you guys going to do about it? Because only you guys can change it, right? And, and then also go into the fact where, you know, Fletcher Cox posts the picture of him and CJ kind of dapping each other up. So was that like post coin flip or was that after the game? Because if you feel like somebody's disrespecting you, you're not going to dap them up right. after the game. So I'm a little confused by it. What well, was <laughs> he trying to send a message to the players inside the room? I mean, what maybe, was your take? I mean, but do you have to do that through the media? You can just do no, that. No, I know. That's why I'm yeah, asking. So, like, so as a player, like – to me, that pisses me off. One that he says that that he feels like nobody's re- respecting us. But also as a player, like it's a mentality and attitude you have to have. Like you have to earn respect in this league, and nobody's just gonna give it to you. You literally have to go take your respect. And you know, my thing is, for one, people aren't running the football on you at will. Two, you're not playing smart all the time on defense as far as, like, understanding your leverages and understanding what teams are trying to do to attack you. Like, it's hard for teams to respect you, right? Like, like the biggest disrespectful thing as a defensive lineman is when a team can run the ball at you at will and you know it's coming, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, that's disrespectful. Like, to me, only we can change that narrative. Like, nobody can change that narrative throughout the season because teams are going to continue to run the ball. And the Saints will damn sure try to run the ball this week. What you thought you are going to see out of Jalen Hurts last week as far as the quarterback run, you're going to for sure see it this week with Taysom Hill at quarterback. So, 
this would be another challenge right now. They don't have their two best offensive linemen, most likely, are not going to play. You know, Ryan Ramchek and Teron Armstead. But this is a team that's going to run the ball with their quarterback. So, like, what are you going to do about it? You want to earn respect? Go out there on the field. Don't take S off of nobody. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to cuss on nobody. We can't cuss or whatever. But you can. <laughs> but don't take any don't take any crap from nobody on the field. Like, like you know teams are running the ball and they continue to run it down your throat. Like, to me, that's more disrespectful than anything anybody else can say anyway. Like somebody laughing at the coach who's maybe arguing with officials. That just, that happens all that, the time, I've doesn't done, it? I've done it multiple times. You've probably done it to I've Hall of Fame coaches yeah, before. I've, I've, done it, I've done it to multiple times. Yeah, like, that's uh, all part I'm that of guy that exit on when you're on the – like, yeah, Salah's arguing the call. Like, what does the other team supposed to do? Of course, they're going to sit back and think it's funny, like – Knowing that the, t- the, car- the call is probably going to get overturned. Like, yeah, I get it. You feel the way because your coach is out there fighting for you. Yeah, and, you know, that's what Salah is. That's who he is, right? He's going to fight for yeah. his players. But, like, there's been times where a coach was, like, yelling at the ref. I'm like, come on, coach, now. You know you're not getting that call. Like, I don't think that's disrespectful. That's just yeah. in the heat of the moment. You're just being like, It's not even the heat on, of coach. the moment, is it? It's yeah. like, it's, it's between, like, between white lines, there's a lot of things said exactly. that n- never come out, okay? Yeah, it's like, like obviously, I don't want you to get the call. We yeah. want the call. So, right. like, what am I supposed to say? Like, yeah, you know, like, he was probably, you know, short of the first down on the sneak. But, you know, yeah, here's the ball. You guys have. No, you're going to be like, come on, man. Now, you know he got the first down. Like, what else, what else is a player supposed to say? Like, I, yeah, I, I just – I wish – if you wanted to direct that energy, you should have directed it in the locker room yeah. is my thing. I, I, I got to say, I love Mosley. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I love, player, I, man. I love his approach. Um, and, and he's frustrated. Yeah, it, it, I get it. And it wears on you. Yeah, it, it wears on you. And sometimes you just, you know, say some stuff that's on your chest. But it's time and place. Like, again, I think that should have been more directed – to his teammates, like, look, our coach out here fighting for us, man. They don't respect us. Like, what are we going to do about mm. it? You know? Okay, so time and place. Let's uh, ask you a quick question about Bryce Hall, second-year cornerback. Mm-hmm. Ask after the game if you had prepared for Gardner Minshew, and the answer was, no, we didn't. <laughs> uh, you're laughing. I am laughing. <laughs> I think Jeff Albrecht, the defensive coordinator, said it right and said it accurately. We prepared for the Philadelphia Eagles you bet, and yeah, their system. You prepare for the scheme, yeah. right? Um, yeah, Bryce, I, when I heard that, I was like, whoa. He said, what? Um, we like to help your coach out a little bit there and be, just be like, yo, we prepare, we prepare for the scheme. Like, um, because I think regardless, it would have been the same scheme. The only thing that would have been a little different – is you would have probably seen a little bit more quarterback run. Other than that, the, the run plays that they ran were going to be the, exactly the same. Them running the screen passes to Goddard were going to be the same. The same routes they ran concept-wise were going to be exactly the same. Um, I don't want to read it into to it too much. I think Bryce was just speaking candidly. Um, but you just have to understand how the media is. and like, yeah, they're gonna Even t- though I'm in the media now, I'm just like – they're going to take that and run with it. Take like, it, run know, with so it. Like, you, it. As a player, you just have to understand, like, you know, we pre- prepare for the Philadelphia Eagles this week. We prepare for the scheme. The scheme and, yes, we prepare for both quarterbacks. That's all he had to say. Um, but, again, you know, he was just being probably, we would say, overly honest <laughs> right there in that situation. Um, but, yeah, I guarantee that they they prepare for the, sc- uh, the scheme. And the thing was, like, it wasn't like guys were just – the only time guys were wide open is – when somebody fell down, Jason Pinnock on the third and 18. But, like, they were in position to make plays. Guys just weren't smart all the time, not recognizing certain situations. Like, second and long, 
going back to the Tennessee game, like teams are going to continue to draw, run the, run, run the ram play, and run screen on second and long until the Jets decide to be smart and realize that's what teams are going to do. They're going to continue to do it because it's worked for every team against the Jets. So, like, um, as far as preparation for Hurts or Minshew, I didn't think any of that had to do with the call. Calls, I just think like we we just didn't play smart on defense. The missed tackles, what can you do yeah, about yeah. it? Albrecht said 15 missed tackles. and That was bad, And too. he also talked about we have not played the run well enough throughout the season to play winning defense. You're here in December, it's what, the second week of December yeah. now. And you really can't throw the pads on every day at practice. The yeah. CBA won't it's, allow it's, you to do that. Is, is, it, is this the tough thing t- to break as far as the tackles? To me, tackling is want to. Yeah. And we talked about the respect aspect, right? He's And Jeff Albrecht has come out and said we haven't played the run good enough this season. And and, and guys are talking about guys chirping and, you know, laughing at Coach But to me, that again, the most disrespectful thing you can do to a team is run the ball consistently and you know they're going to run the football and there's still nothing you can do about it. Like, that's the most disrespectful thing, like, from a player's perspective when I play. Like, a team, like, we weren't going to allow teams to run the football. Like, you hear it week in and week out. Like, what's the first thing you got to do to a team? No, stop the run. Yep. Yeah, stop the run. Even if a team doesn't run the ball, like, we, even if they don't routinely run it, we don't want to give them that extra, you know, bullet in the chamber. Like, we want to stop the run, make them one-dimensional. Like, it always starts with the physicality in the run game, and then tackling is a mental and physical mindset as well, too. So tackling, because you tell me, it's a want-to thing. Like, it's a one-two thing. Like, perfect example, and it's not throwing Ashton Davis under the bus. But, but, but real quick, before you get to Ashton. Yeah. More than fundamentals and technique, want-to. Yeah, it's, okay. it's want-to. Go. It's want-to. Um, like, we've already compounded an issue by giving up a big play to Dallas Goddard over the top, right? C.J. Mosley was caught kind of flat-footed. You know, he hit him with a move, didn't get a hand on him, didn't redirect him. Um, he catches the pass, right? He catches it at, like, the five-yard line. Yeah. You come in for a big hit. First of all, getting your scouting report. Dallas Goddard is a big boy. South Dakota fed. No, South Dakota State, Jack Rabbits. Six foot five, 260, 65 pounds. You were just out there. A couple I was weeks just ago. out there. You're not about <laughs> to just. You're not about to just run through them boys like that. Wrap up. Give your defense a chance to play. You know, red zone defense right there. Like instead, you go for the big hit, almost knock yourself out, and he scampers into the end zone untouched. Like that is just you know bad fundamentals right there. Like. I mean, nine out of ten times, if you throw a form in the guys anyway, they throw in the flag regardless for a defenseless player. So just wrap him up right there. Like, we've already made a mistake by giving up a big play. Don't compound it by letting the guy go into the end zone because you're trying to go for the big hit. Like, just, like I say, it's a want-to thing. And that's not always just a physical man. It's, like, it's about just getting the guy on the ground, man. Like, so, like, issues like that you can't have. Like, and there was just too many tackles. There's so many times EA watching the game and re-watching it again yesterday – there was guys, the running backs were tackled in the backfield, and you seemed like it would be like a no-gainer, and then he squirts out for four or five yards. Like, you can't have that. You want to keep, you know, teams behind the eight ball. You want them to be in second and long. But if you're missing tackles and guys are just falling forward for five or six yards, it makes it makes the offense easy because now the whole playbook is open on second and five. So, like, again, it's want to, and it's a mental and physical attitude you have to have. And, you know, me, you, and Bart talked about this on a Robert Sala show that 
like you got to get like eleven guys to the hat to the ball, right? And that's another one-two thing. Like, and you don't like use the word effort, but literally that's what it is. More guys have to get to the football, right? When you have a lot of missed tackles, that means there's a lot of guys trying to tackle guys one-on-one, mm-hmm. and you never want that on defense. You want multiple guys getting to the football, and that's again a want-to thing. All right, one question here on the pod before we get to Jet Safety Elijah Riley. Again, we're presented by WinBet Betting as a team sport, but together at WinBet, Rex Ryan, your old coach, <laughs> said this week that the Jets got to spend big free agency on the defensive side of the ball and draft early on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we're going to have a lot of time to speak to that. To assess, yes. assess everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, as you look at this team and you look at the way the roster's set up right now, mm-hmm. you think they're where the Jets went big offense early in the draft last year. Maybe we could see a swing the other way. Yeah, I think we see it the other way. I think they'll for sure get an edge rusher in the first round, depending on where our, you know, the Jets' natural pick and the Seattle pick ends up landing. Um, you could potentially have two top five, but most likely for sure two top ten picks. Yeah, Russell pulled one out Sunday. Yeah, he did, man. All Jet fans are like, wow. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I can see them going edge and maybe even corner in the first round. And then it just depends on where that – you know, the Jets finish off the season or where Seattle finish off the season, could they potentially trade down? Because, I mean, there's granted there's no quarterback slotted to go in the top ten, but you never know who's going to reach and go get a quarterback early. Always uh, room for that right al- now. Always. So, like, you don't know, maybe you could, you know, trade one of those picks and potentially have three first-round picks, and then maybe you go get a receiver or, you know, the offensive lineman from Iowa who I really like. I think he, he'd be a, a bright spot on this offensive line. Joe D likes to build it from – you know, the front back. So you think about it in the draft, you had a corner, a DN, and an offensive lineman in the first round. You know, Joe D would be ecstatic with that, you know. Let's bring in Elijah. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Elijah, thanks for joining us. I know you didn't like the outcome of that game against your former no. team, but can you, can you take us through your first professional sack? Yeah, actually, I um, kind of ended up in the wrong position, and then I saw Gardner start to scramble. So I was like, "All right, we just I'm just gonna go try to make the tackle." Um, it, it, it was kind of like one of those things where it happens quickly, and I'm like, "All right, next play." I didn't have any time to really think about it or celebrate it. But after the game, I I got to see it on the stat sheet. I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." My first sack. <laughs> Elijah, just talk about your common presence. It seems like ever since you've been inserted into the starting lineup, the secondary has played better. And I just love your your physical nature, man. I love how you come downhill in the box. Just talk about uh, what you, you've brought into the table, what you've tried to bring to the secondary. Yeah, um, you know, I've always felt that I'm kind of like a cerebral and physical player. So, you know, I like to, um, I guess, see how things are going to pan out, you know, get pre-snap keys and all that stuff, and then just fly around once I figure out what's going on. Um, and you know, I, I, I like to play physical. Uh, I feel like that's the, the whole brand of the game, you know, fly around, hit people. It's fun. 
uh, definitely feel it the next day, but, you know, physical football is the name of the game. Can you tell us the backstory about Brandon Jackson? You go to your Twitter page, you see a photo of Brandon Jackson. Can you talk about who he is and why he had such an influence on you in your life? Yeah, he, um, you know, he was there for my official visit when I visited Army. Um, somebody that I could relate to because, you know, he's a fellow New Yorker. And, you know, I, I looked up to him because he was a great football player. You know, he was fantastic in, at what he did. And he was uh, very technical in his craft, very gifted player. So he was somebody that I wanted, to, you know, I kind of um, looked up to, wanted, wanted to have as a mentor. And he helped me in, in the small time that I was there um, with him. And, you know, his passing obviously was tragic. Um, and he, he had such a large influence on the team that the 28 stayed um, as long as he would have been a member of the team. So his senior year, that's kind of when I'm not going to say we retired um, celebrating the 28, but, you know, we kind of treated it like, okay, he's graduated now. And we treated it as if, you know, he was no longer, he, he's moved on from being a part of army football, but, you know, he played such an integral part in the 2016 season. Uh, he, he was in practically everything that we did. You know, we, we involved his mom and a lot of stuff as well. Um, and that, that we like to dedicate that 2016 victory to 28. Talk about what it was like, you know, playing at West Point, being not only, you know, a student athlete, but, you know, all that comes with being in the Army. Like, what was that transition like from high school to college? Definitely a massive culture shock um, going from my everyday to now I'm running on Army time and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The machine keeps running with or without you, so you better catch yeah. up and get on. So I had to learn quickly, get adjusted quickly, and – with Brandon's passing, obviously, I got thrust into a starting role. So now I'm playing uh, football at a high level on top of adjusting to class, uh, a rigorous class schedule and a military schedule on top of that. It's Army-Navy this weekend at, Met at MetLife Stadium on Saturday. I don't think you're yeah. going to have the opportunity to go because you probably got to get to the team hotel for meetings uh, before your game with the Saints. But for those who watch the game on TV and take it in, what does it mean to you guys who participate in this game? I love the Army-Navy game. Um, fantastic atmosphere. Such an exciting game. There's so many emotions go into it each and every year. Um, guys on the field, you know, we're brothers in arms 364 days a year, and we step mm -hmm. on that field and, and, and all – uh says of brotherhood goes out the window we're, we're fighting for that win and <laughs> I, I love it it's it's a fantastic atmosphere like i said when the helicopters fly over the stadium coming out of that tunnel there's no feeling like it you know goosebumps and all types of chills go running through my body and and that game is a very memorable one uh and, and playing it every year those four years was uh fantastic do you have a favorite memory from an Army Navy game that you participated in? Yeah, so, you know, obviously the first, my freshman year, the 2016 win was an extraordinary win because that was the first win in 15 years. But um, the 2017 win in the snow was probably my favorite just because, you know, that game went down to the wire. That was our first Commander-in-Chief's trophy that year, and that was just a very historic year for the program. 
junior year, we definitely we we put it to them. So that was a fun one. But 2017 was by far <laughs> my favorite. Any predictions for this year? Oh, come on, man. Go army, dog. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what was it like for you playing against the team who gave you a shot in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles? You 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 played a few games for them, spent a lot of time on their practice squad, both in 2020 and then this season. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun uh, competing with guys who, you know, I was competing against every day in practice, but practice and game days are very different, obviously. So, you know, getting the chance to go against the offensive starters in live action was a lot of fun. Getting to see uh, former teammates and stuff was always always a good time. Getting to catch up with guys briefly and um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, it was play, playing against uh, a familiar faces, a familiar team is, is um, a very fun experience. Let's talk about the New Orleans Saints this week. You know, they've had a lot of injuries, just like almost every team in the NFL this this week. But, you know, they have athletic quarterback, and you know you guys were preparing for Jalen Hurts. Do you guys think that it kind of gave you guys a leg up is, is preparing for Taysom Hill this week because you're going to see some similar runs that, you know, Jalen Hurts and the, the Eagles were going to run if he had started at quarterback? Yeah, you know, I, um, Going to this week, the preparation doesn't change. You know, we're still diligent in our work and, and trying to detail everything so that we could prepare to win. Uh, so like you said, similar quarterbacking styles, both um, very mobile quarterbacks, both can get out of the pocket and extend plays. So, you know, can, can containing him, keeping him in the pocket and, and allowing our secondary and linebackers to work in the passing game is going to be important this week. What are some things that you are working on individually well, like we talked about, you're a fixture in a starting lineup. I don't necessarily think that's going to change here down the stretch. But what do you have to do to take your game to the next level? Yeah, you know, continue to improve um, and correct the mistakes that I've made. You know, I missed a couple tackles last week, and I, I don't want that to be a recurring theme. So I'm, you know, working on that. And, uh, you know, on the back end, we're working on better communication, you know, uh, detailing things so we don't we don't let up any explosives or give give the New Orleans Saints any opportunities that you know kind of we left out there. Yeah, I know it's only Tuesday, but what has the message been, you know, from Jeff Albrick and then Robert Sala as you guys prepared after having, you know, quote unquote a, a rough outing versus the Eagles on defense? What has been the message this week? Correcting the mistakes and, and pushing forward. You know, you can't let the same game beat you twice. So we're leaving that in the rearview mirror and and focusing on New Orleans and, and preparing the best we can so that we could put ourselves in a position to win. All right, I need an honest answer here. You, you're a poor Jeff guy, but you said last week when you were talking to the media that you like both the Jets and the Giants growing up. No, so so you know the Giants are playing. I'm rooting for the Giants. The Jets are playing. I'm rooting for the Jets. But if the Jets and Giants got after it, I'm a Jets fan. You sure you're 100 positive in that answer? Uh, I'm positive in that. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, I was, like I said, I was interactive with the Jets. Got to see practices. Got to go to games. And and I was a huge Darrell Rivas fan coming up. So you know, I, I got to pick that. So you literally came to practice, training camp, Hofstra back in the day in Long Island? Yeah, no, I was at the Hofstra training camp practices, got to meet LT, San Antonio Holmes and all those guys and stuff. And um, yeah, no, it, it, it it's, it, yeah, I've been involved in the Jets since I was a kid. So this is, <laughs> it, it's cool to now uh, be in a uh, reversed role.
Yeah, I think they actually had a picture of, if I'm not mistaken, they had a picture of you when you were younger, right? At, at yeah. The <laughs> I wanted to trade it because, yeah, no, that was, yeah. that was fun. I went out there with a couple of my homeboys and, and his pops, and it was a good time. So a Long Island kid, when you heard that you were going to the Jets and it was official, what was your family's reaction and also how many of – like you just said, how much of your home, how many of your homeboys were texting you up and saying you're coming home? <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of people were excited for me. You know, obviously, playing for the hometown team is always going to be cool, and you're going to get a lot of love. Uh, my family was ecstatic because I'm now closer to home, so it's easier for them to come out to all the games and stuff. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely been a cool experience, a very exciting one at that. But um, the the flash and excitement of it you know, kind of fades, and now it's time to just focus in and lock on on, on what the season brings. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. What is your ticket request uh, count <laughs> since you've gotten closer to home? It actually hasn't been anything crazy, you know. I've been trying to keep it to to, to family, you know, stay locked in, like I said, because um, it's been a whirlwind going on between uh, getting adjusted with football and obviously everything outside of that that follows. Hey, what would you tell a high school athlete who's considering going to college and maybe uh, they got great grades and they also are very talented athletically and West Point or one of the military academies come calling? Take the opportunity, you know. Um, you're set for life regardless of what comes, whether you are able to continue playing football or, um, you know, your, your playing career ends in college it's a fantastic opportunity to attend one of the military academies and, and you know, be able to represent such a prestigious uh, institution. Um, you know, you, you, you're going to a, a college where the academics are almost unmatched and you're playing uh, sports at a high level, you know, it's division one sports. So take, take the shot, take the opportunity and, and, you know, older you won't regret it. And what is army time, by the way? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, what time, if, if you're supposed to be somewhere at 11, what time are you there? Oh, man, it, it shoot. At, at least 10 minutes early. That's at least, uh, you know, on a good day. But if, depending on your command, you might have to be there about an hour earlier. I bet you Sala likes that. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, every that's a coach's dream. You got a guy that's on time and prepared. <laughs> hey, Elijah, we appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Great stuff from the local guy, Elijah Riley, right there. Okay, dudes, Jets, Saints, mm. Sunday. Heading into the season, I was thinking, well, the Saints potentially could be a playoff team. Injuries have really crippled that team. Man. They've lost five in a row. They're in a tough situation themselves. Yeah, they are. And I think, honestly, with Jameis Winston, that quarterback, they probably most likely would have made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It was trending in that direction. And um, Jameis probably earned him some money this offseason. Now, I don't know if the Saints can pay him because 
they're so cap strapped, and then they just paid Taysom Hill. So we'll see what happens in that situation. But yeah, this is a team that's been decimated by injuries, as, as all teams are at this time of year, right? What is Taysom Hill, by the way? Like, is he a starting quarterback in the NFL? Or, I, I or is he a gadget guy? Is he a backup a, quarterback yeah. who can give you three games? What is he? I don't think he's a starting quarterback. Yeah. I think he could be a, a complimentary backup guy, yeah. but is a guy that you can actually use as a weapon on offense. And, you know, he, he does his thing on special teams as well, too. So like, But you think he's getting paid a lot to be a weapon on offense? He's getting paid almost yeah. starting quarterback money right now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're paying him a lot to be a weapon on offense. And, you know, um, I think whenever they find their starting quarterback, um, he'll go back to, like, playing receiver, playing running back, you know, doing some special team stuff. Uh, because if you're paying a guy that much, you're going to try to get as many reps out of him as you can. They, Pay guy that much, you want to at least get 15 reps a game out of him. So, um, but he, the, the funny thing is, he's played, you know, adequate when he's had to start. Now, he struggled in that fourth quarter versus the Dallas Cowboys this last week. Yes. Uh, but in the first three quarters, he played really well, knew where to go to football. Now, he was inaccurate at some times, and he's been banged up this year, too. So, some of that's expected. Um, hadn't really played a lot because of the injuries. But the thing that scares you about him is his athleticism right so he went over 100 yards rushing versus the Cowboys and a lot of that came in early in the game it wasn't like all that happened late in the fourth quarter like a good portion of that came through the first three quarters um, this is a guy they're going to use on some quarterback zone reads they're going to use him on some quarterback counters power but when it comes down to the passing game Sean Payton does a lot of stuff that makes him comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. So getting him on the move, you're going to see a lot of sprint outs. You're going to see a lot of boots. Just getting him on the edge where he has the option to run or throw the football. So you have to understand that about Sean Payton. He's a genius when it comes to offensive schematics and where how to use the pieces that he has. They've been banged up at the receiver position. Probably the one of the best, if not the best receiver at one time. Mike Thomas is in play for them and feels like almost, what, two years now? Yeah, I know. It's been forever. I, think I wonder what he's going to be when he comes back, too, now. Yeah, and then Trotman was a guy that they really liked to tie in. I believe he got banged up, too, earlier this year. Um, at the receiver position, it's kind of been an influx. Um, Deontay um, Harris, a guy that's their explosive weapon. Suspended. Won't be playing this week. Um, really good returner. Again, they're gadget guys, you know, in the rounds. They get him in the ball over space. You saw that Sunday. Took, like, a little crossing route, like 60 on Dallas, and – it looked like he was jogging and everybody else was running full speed. Yeah. So he won't be there. Um, they like Humphreys as one of the receivers on the outside. Trey Quan Smith, the guy I know really well from UCF, is the guy that they've wanted to be the guy the last couple of years, but he's dealt with a lot of injuries as well. And then Callaway is a, is a good young receiver for Callaway them Callaway well. seems like he's the guy. Yeah. They, they, that will be – if you follow uh, the New Orleans media and fans, I know they're not only talking about – quarterback in the offseason, but perhaps a receiver, receiver position. Yeah, hey, so, so Alvin Kamara, who knows? Who we're knows sitting here Tuesday. Yeah. If he does go, that changes the entire dynamic oh, of the game. Oh, 100%, because he's not just a running back, right? He's one of their, probably their best receiver if he's in the exactly. game plan, because they get him the ball in multiple ways. So we'll see. I believe he's missed the last three weeks of the season. We'll see if he'll actually go um, this week. I believe it's a knee he has, so... You know, you know, he's he's definitely a part of the future plan. So if you're already out of it, do you risk him coming back? I know that's that? what I'm wondering. Yeah. Here. So like, I mean, technically they're still in the hunt. Yeah. You know, I think they would have to win out most likely to get in. 
Um, but if if he's not 100%, then I, I don't. And I'm not just saying that because the Jets are playing him. Like, I don't risk him going out oh, there. Of course not. Um, and then you talk about their two best offensive linemen out, you know, Ryan Ramchick and then uh, Terod uh, uh, Armstead at left tackle. So, like, they've been decimated by injuries. But the thing is, Sean Payton knows how to use what he, he has to get what he wants. So uh, Taysom Hill will be on the move a lot. They'll use him in, you know, running the football. And the Jets have struggled stopping the run. So you don't think Sean Payton is looking at that, that game last week in the game versus the Colts and drawing up some run plays for his, not only, you know, Mark Ingram, but also for Taysom Hill in the run game? Yep. 100% he's doing that. So it'll be a good test for, you know, this Jets defense because you don't so worry about them throwing the ball all over the place like Garner Minshew was able to do last week, but you do worry about them running the football like the Eagles did. Okay, so Dennis Allen. Very good defensive Man. coordinator. The Saints, while they don't have a good record right now, while they are on a losing streak, they bring it defensively every week. <laughs> Understatement. Could be, could be no Cam Jordan this week. Demario Davis, who Jets fans know and love, uh, he's become one of the NFL's top linebackers sure. year in, year out. And then Marshawn Lattimore in the secondary is good as probably any corner out there, right? But yeah. Zach Wilson, what is he seeing from these guys this week? <laughs> Yo, just be prepared, Zach. You're going to see a lot of pressure. You're going to see simulated pressure where they have seven guys in the line of scrimmage and they drop out, but then there will be times they have seven. They're bringing all seven. So you're going to see cover one, which is single high safety, and usually it's Marcus Williams is the, set, the high safety. But then you're going to see cover zero where they're like, we bring in the house, and you got to get the ball out of your hand. And they really believe that with Quan Alexander, a linebacker who's a good cover linebacker with – you know, Marshawn Lattimore, who probably will see a lot of Elijah Moore one-on-one coverage because he usually always follows the number one receiver. Okay. Then They brought in Bradley Rowe before that so he could take out the number two receiver. So will he be on Keelan Cole or Denzel Mims? It just depends since Corey Davis is out. He's a, a, a young, nice young player who they'll move into the slot on third down and they'll bring in P.J. Williams and he'll go to the outside, which was a role reversal because last year P.J. Williams was the slot guy. You know, he'd come in on third down. And then they actually have a really good safety tandem. I talked about Marcus Williams, but Mike, Malcolm Jenkins has done this for a long time. Never. He's been a, a consummate pro bowler year in and year out. Sure, sure tackler in the open field. They'll keep him more in the box. So this is a team that, yeah, the offense has struggled, but their defense is still playing at a high level. Now they haven't gotten – you know, the progress, not the progress, but having got the production from Cam Jordan that they've got in years past, and um, he hasn't played as well. Granderson has been their best rusher on the outside. He, he has some juice, has an assortment of pass rush rooms on the outside, but I think them losing Trey Hendrickson last year, you know, you know, hurt them a lot on the defensive line position. So, but this is the defense, in the, you know, that in the linebacking position. Uh, in the elite, elite secondary, yeah. correct? And, and, and really and good linebacking core. Like, and, really they're, good. and they're going to heat you up. Oh, so like Dennis Allen is known for bringing the heat. So like I said, there'll be times, Zach, where you'll see seven guys in line scrimmage and they'll they'll drop out, you know, some simulated pressure. But there'll be times when they're seven and they might bring eight. So, so like, what's a counter for LaFleur and Wilson? You got the young quarterback yeah. who – took a step in the right direction. You want to keep him ascending right now. Well, yeah, so, like, you talk about Marshawn Latimer, who had struggled earlier in the year, has played a lot better the last few weeks. If you, you know, say he's going to follow Elijah Moore around, which most likely is going to happen, we put Elijah Moore in bunches. You move him around. You motion him. You put him in the backfield. That way he can't just get a hands on him. And then you run some bunch sets, right? That way you can run some pick routes and know where your first read is. And 
Zach, you're going to have to throw some tight window throws because it's going to be tight man coverage. It's not going to be a lot of space. I think if you go back and watch, you know, the Dallas Cowboy film, you know, Dak Prescott made some really good throws in tight coverage. One specific throw to me was to CeeDee Lamb in the slot when, you know, Bradley Roby, like he couldn't have played it be- any better. But, you know, better offense beats, you know, good defense. And, and Dak Prescott down the scene put the ball right on the numbers for CeeDee Lamb and, and Bradley Roby couldn't have played it any better. So at the quarterback position, like, Zach did a real good job last week of being decisive. He's going to have to do that today. You can't hold the ball versus the Saints defense or it's going to be a long day for you. But you got to be decisive and then you have to be extremely accurate with the ball because it's going to be tight man coverage. I'm fascinated to see what the Saints come out looking like because uh, this is uncharted waters for them, uncharted terrain because – the Saints are just so used to being in December. We're getting ready to play playoff <laughs> yeah. football. And on a five-game skid, so banged up, coming to MetLife, playing a 3-9 and nine Jets team. You mentioned Sean Payton, one of the best coaches out there for so long. Yeah. I'm just interested to see what they come out like. You knew Philadelphia was desperation time for them last week, whereas New Orleans – yeah, the playoffs. They still got a chance. They still, that's my whole thing. They still get a chance, but do they have a chance? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, yeah. it's kind of like that. Um, I just think because of Sean Payton and the respect that his players have for him and that defense, like they're going to come out no matter what the record is. So, like, we know the defense is going to come out. I think the question mark is what, what the Saints' offense is going to be like, right? Because that has always been the question mark this year for them. We knew that Saints' defense was going to be good. Like, they've routinely been good the last four or five years, and they've had some some main pieces. Like, DeMario's been there, I want to say, like, the last three or four years. Cam Jordan's been there his whole career. Malcolm Jenkins was there, left, came back. You know, Lattimore got paid. He's been there. Marcus Williams has been there. And I think he's on the franchise tag this year. Um, so, like, they've, they've had some mainstay in that secondary role. So, like, that defense is going to come out following it all, firing at all cylinders, too. And then Quan Alexander, a guy that's been decimated by injuries the last two years, he just loves the game. So he's going to come out there, play with his hair is on fire anyway. Listen, if you're a Jets fan, I'm circling December 2022. You know why? Because I think your team, your expectations should be the Jets in 2022 in December should be still part of the playoff Playing conversation. Games. Yes. Yeah. Look at We were just talking about it before we came on air. There are 13 teams in the AFC who have a legitimate shot at postseason football. And I'm including the Miami Dolphins in yeah. there who have, uh, have they been got a shot now. Lazarus. You know how they start <laughs> one and seven. They've won five. Five in a row. Yeah, right? yeah, five in a row. So six and seven. So if you're a Jets fan, watch these young guys down the stretch. You want to see Wilson progress. You want to continue to see uh, what Elijah Moore is doing, hopefully on the defensive side of the ball. Just, just to put this in perspective, yeah. right? If the Jets had beat the Miami Dolphins, which they should have, <laughs> and – let's say the Panthers, like, they'd be in the thick of this thing right now. Like, that's just crazy. Just those two games alone. Yeah. They'd be in the thick of this thing right now. <laughs> so, so uh, bottom line, man, circle your calendars, December 2022. The Jets should be in that conversation. They should be in the conversation. But it's little steps of progress, and we got to see what is in store for the green and white this week. Mm-hmm. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next week.